baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Breaking news, tragic news this morning. And since I have a personal connection to this one as my child, my one of my children goes to the same school as a murdered boy in the suburbs of Montgomery County. We've just learned that police have now charged a Montgomery County mother with first and second degree murder of her own son. She's identified by authorities as Ruth Whitehead Darienzo. She's charged with murder after her 11-year-old son was found dead in her home. This is Horsham, Pennsylvania. This all began yesterday morning. Actually, as these uh, details yesterday, as I learned the details throughout the day, and the boy's father, in a and this is heartbreaking, the boy's father finds his son dead in the bed of the the master bedroom. There, we don't know the full details of the of the situation, whether they're separated, whether um, he was away, or what have you. But the story is that dad, who's Daniel Whitehead. He finds his own son dead in the family, in the master bedroom there, immediately calls 911. The community in shock since yesterday morning. They knew something was horribly wrong when they saw police rushing to the home. There was a major investigation, a lot of questions. And the mother was initially reported missing, okay? and Or excuse me, the mother was initially reported missing and then and then dead that was that was the, an initial report that went out and everybody was shocked by that one then that was retracted i don't know at this point nor does it in the scheme of the, the tragedy here matter i guess but uh whether it was a, a news agency that got it wrong or whether there was something that was inferred improperly i'm not sure but ultimately the search for this missing mom now ensued. At the same point, uh, we hear from authorities there in Cape May, all the way, what, 120 miles away in South Jersey, and they find a partially submerged family vehicle, an SUV, that is uh, sum- partially submerged there on the beach in the ocean. But nobody's inside the car. Then they start searching for whoever this person is. And why they were they was it a suicide attempt? What was going on? They don't know. Was it a stolen vehicle? Obviously, one of the first things you do when you find a, a shiny black SUV, a very nice vehicle, and you think is this a stolen vehicle? So they run the plates. Now they realize the law enforcement immediate and good job by law enforcement immediately realizes this in fact is the vehicle registered to the missing mom from from Pennsylvania from Horsham. So law enforcement, multi-state agencies working together here, and ultimately they report that they find the missing mother in Wildwood Crest, New Jersey. So this was a fast-moving investigation. 
clearly a tragic uh, situation with the boys' school releasing statements to the school community, letting them know. And as well, we had the Montgomery County DA, Kevin Steele, Horsham Police Chief, Scott Fida, saying that the boy's father was the one who had called 911 in this urgent, desperate call, had told police of this discovery of of his little boy, his 11-year-old sixth-grade son. So the details that we learned throughout the day and the evening yesterday, the officers found the boy's body there in the master bedroom. They say he spent the night with his mother there in the house, and the father had told police that he had noticed that the master bedroom door was locked and his wife's black Toyota Highlander missing. So the officers then, I told you about what happened then. So we had New Jersey law enforcement, we had state police, multiple law enforcement agencies, right, as they search frantically for this missing mother who at some point was believed to, to be in danger. Well, we now we now know that she has been charged with both first and second degree murder, and there is an autopsy underway. So the cause of this little boy, Matthew, um, the cause of his death, that is pending as we await word. But just a, a tragic situation this morning as, as we think about this. In a moment, I'll go to, um, this is, I'll go to a, Deanna Durante did a great report over at NBC 10 on the case of another mother who was targeted apparently by somebody who wanted to take her life as she just was early in the morning uh, running through the Dunkin' Donuts drive-through with her 11-year-old son in the back seat. A very different scenario, but in fact, you know, the story of two mothers, two little 11-year-old boys, and this morning we have one boy murdered and his mother accused in that killing. Uh, another On another side of Montgomery County, Cheltenham, we have a mother murdered and her 11-year-old son who witnessed his mommy being being shot. It's it's just it's unthinkable to me, and you know we'll we'll get through it this morning. But we think about the the level of violence, mental health issues. There's so much happening. Um, I do in a, in a moment. I'll read to you the the statement. It was one of the more beautiful statements, and somebody put it online from the, our school principal um, on on Matthew, his life, and how the school is coping and. That's the important piece of this, that if you have children in your life, you know, whether you're a grandparent, a caregiver, a godparent, a parent, etc., you know, how do you talk to them about these things? It's important, especially in this day and age. And so I do want to get your take on that, 855-839-1210. But I want to get to this Deanna Durante, NBC10 report. Anthony, I'd sent that to you because I, I wanted hers because Deanna Durante um, does a fantastic job. So I put it on our sheet there. But Deanna Durante reports on this targeted attack, according to investigators. This is the latest from Montgomery County. This woman is 35, was 35 years old with an 11-year-old son. Her son in the back seat, typical morning, school morning. Get ready, rush, rush, rush. We, we have time to go through the Dunkin' Donuts lineup. Okay, okay, we'll go to Dunkin'. And now this happens. Tragedy strikes. So listen in. Here's the latest from NBC 10's Deanna Durante. It hits too close to home to me, especially 
me having children and her being a mother herself. A murder in a Dunkin' drive-thru as multiple people are in line. The victim, a mom and teacher. Police say Rachel King was waiting in this line when a silver car came into the lot. A man got out, dressed in light pants, a hooded sweatshirt. His face was covered and he walked right beside her car. Never opened the door, just pulled out a gun and fired directly at King. It completely breaks my heart. I just don't, I don't know how anyone could ever recover. And it's his mother, you know, like you lost your mother, this traumatic, I, my heart goes out to him. The fear is building as gun crimes increase. Why is the question most have here today? King's 11-year-old son was in the back seat of her car. He escaped injury. This world has gone crazy. The fact that it was, you know, you know, happened in the morning, it's, it's actually ridiculous. It's crazy. You know, people are ruthless nowadays. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, they, they catch this person, whoever it is, you know, it's kind of sad. Witnesses talked of a silver car near the scene and police found these images of that car. They think the killer was in. The DA says King was targeted. And despite the morning rush here, the killer showed no fear of those witnesses around and fired those shots before speeding away. Sources say video is being pulled from Philadelphia street cameras to try and give information as to where that silver car went after the murder. Anymore lately, there's more evil right now than there is good. Yeah, I think that's that certainly is is well said, more evil than good as we as we think about in and we'll get to lighter news and we'll get to the Anthony has done a great job with breaking down the mayoral debate uh, yesterday where I, and I'll get your take as well, whether you think David O, he was he was not included in last night because what the, the people you see on the stage, they're the top Democrats in a primary. But David O, the only one, doesn't get that kind of TV exposure. And so is that bias by omission? You know, we can we can go through that one as well. But I, I wanted to give you those those breaking stories as police continue to release new images in the Cheltenham um, investigation, the murder of Rachel King. We don't have word. I don't have word where her son um, attends school, but obviously grief counselors on that level always available. And I talked to you yesterday, and we'll, we'll do this in a moment, but Temple University has named an ex-dean, uh, Provost Joanne Epps. I talked about this yesterday. She's acting president. Certainly Te- Temple has been through a very turbulent period. So we'll, we'll go to that in a moment. But I also want to talk about the city council hearings that I've been covering. And we'll talk about this moving forward as well as finally we get the other side of the story. So you hear Philadelphia police saying they need at least $55 million more million in the budget. And they're making their case for keeping Philadelphia safe. And finally get to tell their side of the story because remember we told you that DA Larry Krasner had thrown police under the bus and we had aired that side of the story for you because why? Because Krasner was saying, well, blame the police, not us. They're in charge of arresting all the perps, etc. Well, Philadelphia police gave their side of the story talking about the tangible numbers, how many arrests and then how many how many people are actually charged and charged with those advanced charges instead of dumbing down the charges, less, you know, the lesser charges. And that's what Krasner does. And so the back and forth, we'll talk about that moving forward as well. Do you have that, Anthony? It was actually, um, I put it on the sheet. It's city council hearing the police budget and it's, they're asking for 55 million more dollars. And this is, 
Another one of my new favorite. This is Karen Hua, who broke down the budget and where police are saying, you know, they need to grow the budget because they actually, you know, need some more resource resources. And obviously this is I will say this. It's it's a great time to be doing your budget because we're in the midst of a, of a mayoral election. Everybody's conscious of it. And now nobody's talking about defund the police. So listen in. This is I love this report because it really breaks down the budget, the numbers and allows the union and the police to finally give their, you know, give their side of the story. $855 million. That's how much the Philadelphia Police Department is asking for next year as a general budget. It's $55.7 million more than this year. And while $55.7 million may sound like a big number, it's about a 5% increase, which factors in inflation and contractually obligated pay raises, among other things. It is an honor to testify before you today on behalf of Police Commissioner Daniel Danielle Outlaw, who is unable to be present today. First Deputy Commissioner John Stanford giving the presentation to City Council today. The new budget will fund 6,380 uniformed officers and aim to fix the understaffing issue. The department is currently down about 850 officers. To be quite blunt, uh, some of the the issues and challenges that our our men and women face every day makes it a little bit of of a challenge to entice more people to come into this profession. Jobs that we cannot fill for, great example, crime scene unit. It normally has about 32 people to process scenes. As of the end of last year, we were down to about 15, half of the unit. So the budget allocates money toward recruitment with a diversity focus. You got this double-edged sword. We're not getting enough coming in. And even though we do get them coming in, they're leaving. One reason for the shortage of potential officers? The ongoing shootings in the city, a hot-button issue of discussion, how exactly to reduce this gun violence as crime scenes become more complex. There's more shootings, but not just that there's more shootings, people are shooting more. So what we're seeing is a lot more fire cartridge cases than what we previously had. The budget would fund a plan of community-oriented and intelligence-led policing, which also includes more than 3,600 body cameras to be rolled out to all 21 patrol districts. In Center City, Karen Hua, NBC 10 News. So great report, a lot to cover. But what was not in there, did you notice who was missing? Commissioner Danielle Outlaw. Isn't it funny that she wasn't there to take questions, wonder why, from city council members? You know, we heard last night in the debate, and we'll get to it. Anthony has it all broken down for you. But we think about the fact that Danielle Outlaw, and whether you support her or not, is a campaign issue for mayoral candidates. And they all hold up their sign. Do you support? No. Yes, it's like the Olympics. I think they should have given her a score. They gave her a grade, you know, and she received quite low grades. I think Sherelle Parker gave her the highest grade of a C. So not a good thing. But the question about, for example, you know, are are they engaged in criminal activity or are um, they engaged in nuisance behavior as far as the perpetrators or the accused perpetrators. And we heard the first deputy commissioner, John Stanford, giving those numbers. So this is not even FOP. It's not necessarily the union. These are the police numbers that he's releasing. So at one point, council member Lozada telling police officials the lack of consequences for retail theft. This is a huge issue. And that what a negative effect it has on residents and businesses saying, hey, we're losing businesses in the community across 
Philadelphia because of this horrible retail theft. And it was directed at Krasner, who had pointed the finger at police. Remember this? And we told you about this. And so you didn't hear it in the TV report where they didn't go into this, but I think this was a critical point as the deputy commissioner talked about the fact that when somebody's arrested for theft of anything over $150 in value, which is state law, they write it up and they send it to Larry Krasner, the district attorney and his office to face charges, $150 and above. So how many were arrested? Fair question, right? Police say they arrested more than 1,500 people for retail theft last year, okay? But how many were actually charged? Hmm. If you look at those numbers, the DA reduced the charge by 74%. So the vast majority of the 1,500 people charged with retail theft, which we know is killing businesses that are already hurting post-pandemic, Right. So so the DA's office, according to these numbers, uh, reduced in 74 percent of those cases. They were downgraded just to a, basically a, a summary offense where you get a little, you know, they write you up and say you're going to get the spanking machine next time if you do. It. I mean, I'm being sarcastic, but you know what I'm saying here, right? That 74 percent of those cases were downgraded. And so far that was last year. So far this year, they've had about 461 plus retail thefts. How many were downgraded? 319. Now, if you're a store owner and you've had any kind of, you know, person go in there and whether it's a, whatever the situation is and they're stealing from you and destroying your business and you call the police and the police chase after them, catch them red handed, whatever the situation and they get charged, you think, Oh, good, good. I get some justice. And then you later learn, oh no, boop, they were, uh, they were let go. Catch and release. And this is what we, we hear over and over. This is the bad rap, well deserved, that Krasner gets. It's catch and release. Even in, even in some, you know, violent crime situations, we're putting an ankle bracelet on these people. So in 2018, I'll go back to 2018, Krasner had set that policy to charge an offender with, uh, an offender with retail theft. When the value of the merchandise is greater than five hundred, so unless it's over five hundred dollars, if it's four ninety nine, then it's essentially counted as just a nothing burger, a summary offense, which you get a little fine, you get community community service. That's it. So at this point now, Krasner's um, office was contacted, and they say, "Well, we we need a little more time to corroborate those numbers," but they admitted it's not inconsistent with general policy guidelines. In other words, in other words, what the deputy commissioner was saying and what the city council member Venor was saying is right. That's correct. And so that's why we've seen, we've even seen in some places in the country, was it somewhere in, I think, Los Angeles, some store owners were saying everything in the store is valued at $501. <laughs> you know, because they're saying, no, no, this is, this is, uh, that's, that, that item right there, it's $501, but just for you today, we're gonna, we're gonna have a markdown just for you today, but it's valued at $501. And that's literally what they're having to do. And so the question is, where were you, Daniel Outlaw? I know that she had said that she had that injury from a car accident that was last month, but we've seen her out and about. 
and she suffered non-life-threatening injuries, and we've seen her. She was okay. But to me, I think she did not want to answer these tough questions and be under the in the hot seat, as it were, because it was easier to have a deputy chief to put him. And, you know, this city council is going to go a little easier on him because why? He's not the commish. So we'll take you there. All right. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to go through Anthony has worked very hard, studied and watched the mayoral debate and had to cut up all that audio because we're, we're going to make it easy for you. It's not going to be an hour and a half. It's going to be minutes. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. So you'll hear the highlights. We'll be right back. So we have executive producer Anthony Dorenzo. We have our Jimmy Kelly also in the house, our engineer. And what we all share is that we are all Philadelphia residents. So, yes, we can vote in upcoming elections that matter to Philadelphia. And Anthony spent a lot of time just trying to whittle down the uh, you know 90-minute debate that was heard last night on Fox 29. They aired the, you know, the televised debate. You had seven mayoral candidates facing off. And Anthony's going to take us through. He's very, This is big, Anthony. You're taking this very it seriously. Big. It is big, yeah. I know I Greg mean, Stocker had asked him, Anthony, can you break this down? It's a big <laughs> yeah. deal. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've gotten used to, uh, ever since I've started here, whenever there's a debate, whether it's Pennsylvania, national, local, I like... I like going through it. I like seeing how these people react. So he uh, may not sound fired up because I'm he's, very he's, fired up. He's very measured, <laughs> but trust me, he's standing up. He's like, he's uh, rare. you see him, Jimmy. He's very excited <laughs> here. He's very revved up. Yes, he is. I'm excited. So <laughs> I know you wanted to start with crime and stop and frisk, which essentially they all started by giving out some of their crime plans and their thoughts around police and crime. Um, but I know specifically you wanted to talk about stop and frisk. Mm-hmm. So. Sherelle Parker really kind of was the only one that even touched on this. Uh, she opened here with her statements on crime um, and then later expanded. But we'll start with her opening statements on crime here uh, from Sherelle Parker, Democratic candidate. Sherelle Parker, as a council member, you introduced a plan on neighborhood safety and community policing. It included many items, including adding 300 police officers, proactive community policing and better training. We also saw some of this in one of your ads. What would you do on day one to start building trust with people that it is safe to live here, it is safe to go out and have dinner here, it is safe to take the trash out, it is safe for me to send my son or daughter to the corner store, that it is safe to simply walk around? Thank you for the question. Good evening, everyone. My name is Sherelle Parker, and because my lived life experience closely mirrors the people feeling the most pain in our city, I am uniquely situated to make the tough decisions necessary to stop the sense of lawlessness that is plaguing our city and immediately introduce the comprehensive neighborhood safety and community policing plan, putting 300 
officers on the street, proactively engaged in community policing, walking the beat, riding the bikes, getting to know the people that they are sworn to protect and serve, and not just there in response to a crisis or a 911 call. We want to build that relationship, and we also want folks to know that there will be zero tolerance for any misuse and or abuse of authority. But a proactive law enforcement presence is a key part of that plan, and I am unapologetic about it. So this is Sherelle Parker, and you hear her. She is part of the community. She is, and all these are Democrats. David O., Republican, not invited to this shindig because he's a Republican. I would submit to you, I would, I would have loved to have seen him on the stage. I, I really would have. Well, I think they didn't because they should still have a debate with whoever wins, mm. correct? Yeah. He, I mean, I believe, I know he will be open to it. It it's seems a, like they're it's open a primary. to it. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, you would hope. I believe they will, but, but we'll see. At, at that point, um, it, it would be, it would have been a victory. If I worked on David O's campaign, I, and I, I would have fought, I would have fought, fought, fought to have him on that stage last night because I wonder how he would match up against these candidates if you just looked at the candidates for who they are. Well, especially right? because it was at Temple as well. Exactly. Which, which he, I mean, say what you want about David O if you don't like him, but he's a guy of the community. He's been in and around every part of the city, so I'm sure he has strong opinions with crime and, and all that up in Temple. Yeah. So... So she is, so Sherelle Parker on the record for, and she has said this from day one to my knowledge, she wants to add those hundreds of officers. She's, you know, saying that she's a pro-law enforcement candidate and as well, she is for stop and frisk. Yes, she is for stop and frisk. And she actually later on then really kind of expanded on that um, and really is the only one that expands to to this degree on it. But yeah, listen, and this was Sherelle Parker on Stop and Frisk. Sherelle Parker. Ms. Parker, you're a supporter of the legal form, you say, of Stop and Frisk. You've also said you are the mother of a beautiful black boy with locks. Yes. Aren't black boys and men with locks the people most victimized by Stop and Frisk? And how would you make sure that Stop and Frisk is, in fact, being done lawfully? So, one... I will never allow anyone to put me in a box because I've had to function at the intersection of race and gender my entire life. And I do know that the unconstitutional use of the tool stop and frisk has disproportionately negatively impacted black and brown boys. The constitutional use of it as a policing tool is something that our law enforcement must use in order to ensure that our city is safer. Now, let me tell you this. There will be zero tolerance for any misuse and or abuse of authority by law enforcement. How do you ensure it? When you have a mayor who is a leader who says it's not an either or. You will be held accountable. We will also have reform, but we will use every tool in the toolbox to ensure that our city is safer and cleaner and green. Explain to me how it's legally done then. Really quickly. How do you legally do it? It is legally done for the first time in our city's history as a result of the bill consent decree. We collect data now on every stop. As a result of that, we can tell when an officer has used reasonable suspicion and just cause in order to make the stop. And we will continue to use that data. And if we find the officer doesn't follow the rules, he he or she is gone. Thank you very much. 
So an answer like that back in the day was the answer that took Michael Nutter, who went on to become mayor, it put him at the top of the polls. An answer like that. So I'm and and they didn't have the crime back then that we have right now that we're experiencing at the level we're experiencing. I to me this answer resonates beautifully and resonates deeply with the residents of Philadelphia and and beyond certainly. Well, and it's the kind of thing you're not going to hear Dom say this. You're not going to hear Jeff Brown say that. They can't. They, they won't get away with it because of the mm-hmm. racism and right. et cetera, et cetera. All but of she's a comments. black woman and a mother, yeah. to your point. She can say this, Jimmy. And it shouldn't be that way. Look, nobody likes to see profiling going on in the city of Philadelphia. Amen. I don't like it either. But guess what? These are the ones that are committing the crime. It's these teens with these white shirts on or these locks or whatever. And nobody wants to to hear that. But... It is true. These are the ones you got to be on the lookout for. And you don't just got to stop them, but you do got to keep a very close eye on what's going on. I'm sorry, but, you know, we are in a state of emergency. This is war. This is war in the city of Philadelphia, and we've got to get to the heart of it. Yeah, and I think with, I, I think even police would tell you, and police leadership as well as, you know, anybody in, in city council or leadership would say, of course, the police are going to, they're asked to follow the protocols and the training. Right. But there's a piece of this that if you are that law enforcement officer and it's a judgment job, I mean, Mm -hmm. part of the job, it comes down to your split second judgment. And if you see uh, somebody driving a little bit erratically and they have one of those phony plates or no plate and they have whatever darkened windows, whatever, and you go to, to pull them over, you should know that that judgment and again, you're pulling them over and doing everything by the book, but you should know that your mayor, your commissioner, your leadership has your back. Exactly. Right nope. now, I think it's fair to say law enforcement officers are are hesitating to make those judgment calls, and that's part of the problem. Because they're all afraid because nobody's yep. going to back them. And, and like yep. I go back to say, nobody likes to see, see profiling. Yep. I don't like it either, but... This or is harassment the, or bullying by law enforcement. Yeah, but yeah. this is the, it's like year, it's like years ago, you know, the guys who were walking around with the white t-shirts and the black pants. These are the guys committing the crimes. I hate to say it. Well, now it's the is, ski masks. It's really, ski masks. Yeah. 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 yeah, and it's also these idiots on these bikes on these on yes. these these dirt. I see them. These are the guys doing it. You got to go after them and say, look, I don't care. It's a safety issue. If you're on a bike. You are going to be looked at a little bit more carefully. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, absolutely. We're getting through the Philadelphia mayoral race, 855-839-1210. Taking your calls. Let's get to Chris, who wants to sound off. Hey, Chris. Hi, Dawn. How are you? I'm doing okay. Great. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the uh, theft issue that has to do with retail. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a business owner, and last week on the 5th, uh, I noticed in my ledger a check that had been cashed for $486. And when I looked at the photograph of the check in my my checking account ledger for my business, mm-hmm. immediately I could tell there were at least like a dozen things about this check that were absolutely fraudulent. Oh, no. And the check was one of those 
electronic deposits that people can make. So I think what they did was they tracked down my business address, but they didn't write it in specifically correctly. It was cashed by a major bank in Illinois. And I think because it was below the $500 limit, they just cashed the check. And I contacted my bank and I said, how could you let this go through? It's like I can tell immediately this is a fraudulent check. And they said that they think it's because it's below a certain dollar threshold. And I would say, arguably, if this is happening to me last week, this is happening all over the country. And it's not like someone's going in and stealing a pair of socks from Target. It's like these people can commit this level of financial theft and face no repercussions because the bank's not doing anything about it. And when I reported this to my local police department, they said that I would have to go to a different level to get it looked at. What a nightmare. I'm so sorry to hear this is happening. We've heard about the check theft. In fact, over on Easter, a relative of mine who's also a business owner, they tracked it down because we have this Medicare and medical data breach in healthcare networks, but also with regard to Medicare. And so there are all these data breaches that are happening. And so I don't know if that's related to your situation or how it happened. That was just the relative of mine. It was, it was a healthcare data breach. We've seen the spike and I've talked about the warnings going out with it's, it comes from healthcare data breaches. Um, but in one case, I know in early March, more than a month ago, they stole all the Medicare beneficiary ID numbers. That was a big problem. All the healthcare mm-hmm. data breaches with my relative. The check was an $89,000 check. And, and, and it was somewhere in the South. And this is a small business. I don't even know if that, how that, if it would have cleared or whatever. But the point is, thank God, a bank, a bank, somebody like, like you who just, they had a, a good eye. And the person at the bank tracked down the local bank here in this area, talked to an in-law of mine, and she said, absolutely not. We wouldn't have, you know, ne- never. And they were able to break it down. The person in this bank in the south, one of the Carolinas, actually fled and ran away. So in that one, to your point, it was well over the $500 mark. And so they did make the call, thank God. Yeah. Can I make one more comment? Absolutely. I think the only way Philadelphia gets out of the mess it's in is to get rid of Kenny, Outlaw, and Krasner. You get rid of those three, and we can get Philadelphia back on track. Until that's done, you know, I appreciate the platitudes of some of these city council members. They're talking platitudes. When Frank Rizzo was mayor, none of this stuff happened. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Well, to your point, uh, Mayor Jim Kenny is term limited, and that's why these candidates are running for the job. So Kenny is leaving. But right around the corner, you're going to hear which mayoral candidates would actually agree with Chris and want to boot give give the boot to Daniel Outlaw, the commissioner, or at least uh, tell her to shape up. So you'll find out where these mayoral candidates stand on this. And if you live in the suburbs, if you run a business just outside of the city, how it all impacts you. 
our conversation continues. 855-839-1210. I'm at Dawn Stensland on Twitter. We're going to be right back. I'm waiting for something bad to happen all the time. So it's, I'll be happy when I'm not here, when I'm not mayor and I can enjoy some stuff. You're looking forward to not being mayor? Yeah. That's a matter of fact. That was Mayor Jim Kenney. You remember that July 2022 day when a lot of people said Mayor Jim Kenney needs to resign effective then in July. But no, he's not resigning. He did apologize for that because he's had some rough days, kind of exhausted. And maybe the city's exhausted with him. But his current term ends January 2024. And so now we have the November of 2023 mayoral election upcoming. So whoever wins the May primary, which is coming up May 16th, obviously will be sworn in in January of 2024, that election next fall, next November. And so then we'll know. So these these debates, I believe, are critical because right now is when the rubber hits the road, as we say. When Philadelphia residents are looking at all of the candidates and thinking, okay, who do I feel will be the next mayor of Philadelphia? Who is the best person to hold that job? So we want to be fair about it. I'm not making, and nobody here, Anthony, Jimmy, and, and I are all Philadelphia residents, but we're not making an endorsement and we're doing our very best to try to bring the words of these people from their own mouths to your ears. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to just break down what they say and how they react. Amen. You should. I think most people don't try to watch this like you're you're rooting for the Eagles. Try to watch this like you're just que- question everything you hear, even with the candidate that you think you like, because that's the best way to go about watching these things. And pay attention to all what the candidates are saying. Who sounds the most passionate to you out of all of them? Like and Sherelle, what they're not saying. And what yep. they're not saying. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Sherelle Parker probably sounded the most passionate out of anybody. And authentic. And authentic. Helen Gim just, I think, was just reading off a teleprompter asking for her 18 seconds or whatever so, it was. So, I don't know what you're saying, Jimmy Kelly. <laughs> you don't know what you're saying? Well, you know what? Um, <laughs> I want my 18 seconds. Rebecca Reinhardt seemed, she seemed okay. She bounced back here. She bounced back. Yeah. But I would say, like, Sherelle yeah, but- Parker, Alan Dom. And what about Eamon Jeff Brown? Br- Jeff Brown was was Solid. good as well, and okay. Eamon Brown was very good as well. They 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 all seem like they care about the city of Philadelphia. Do not get me wrong, but if you had to choose one, probably Sherelle Parker seems to be the most passionate Mm-mm. out of all them that I've seen. Well, huh? and we we continue to talk about the police, and I right. think Jeff Brown is one that we keep hearing is. Someone who is uh, too supportive of police, I guess. But he speaks on the defund the police movement um, and criticizes others on the stage listening. My question is for Jeff Brown. Good evening, Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown, uh, I want to let you know, and the candidates as well, is that Gary Whedon is here. Gary Whedon and his family are here tonight. Gary Whedon's son was 15-year-old Devin. Devin was shot to death on his way to school not long ago. Mr. Brown, the school district reports startlingly that 20 students have been shot to death in Philadelphia since the start of the school year. 100 have been victims of violence in the city, sir. Please tell me specifically what you would do to stop the slaughter of the youngest and most vulnerable people that live in this city and how quickly you could possibly do that, sir. Well, the first thing I wouldn't have done is defund the police like all the council people on this stage tonight. 
Now, we have to go and hire the people that they let the ranks dwindle. We're short 1,500 officers. There's no visible police presence on our streets. We need that. We also have 1,700 violent individuals that we haven't prosecuted because we don't have the evidence. We need to add forensics. The mayor put it in his budget this year to upgrade forensics and gunshot cameras. So we can go prosecute the very relatively small percentage of our population that is known to be violent and they belong in jail. I'm sorry, sir. Is it your claim that they all defunded the police? There is, has been, a whole number of people simply leaving the police department for all sorts of reasons. It's your belief that every one of them sort of walked away from funding in this city? The, the 2021 budget, they all voted for it. It all reduced the police budget at a time of a crisis. I'm sure we'll hear more about that. Okay, so that was Jeff Brown, who's answering my former colleague, Fox 29, Jeff Cole, who is pushing back. Uh, I, I would just even, I know that Jeff is, is trying to be provocative here, but I will just say that the re, there is a reason that we're seeing record retirements. And it's the reason that mm-hmm. the three of, you know, that Jimmy, Anthony, and I talked about sure. in the, before the last break. And that was the reason they're retiring. First of all, their family members are freaked out and afraid every single day they go to work. Sure. And so they have to hear about it. But also because the city leadership does not have their backs right. and they're in danger. And we always say, like, what's what's the ratio to teachers and police that are just saying they've had enough? They just want to end. They want to try to get their time yeah. in, their twenty or thirty or whatever, and just say that's it. We're just done. Can't do it. Yeah, and we and I, and that's a good point. Teacher shortages. It's on the front of the Inquirer today, at least the digital version, talking about the shortages are worse than they even thought with teachers leaving. So that was a that was a good analysis. Well, and that's a good segue there because then Helen Gim goes on uh, to speak on teachers' unions, schools, and, and the teachers' union support of her. Um, and, th- and they press her as well. They didn't just press uh, people like Brown, but listen. No candidate uh, on this stage uh, more affiliated and better known uh, with education than you. You are a former teacher who has received the endorsement and significant financial support from the City Teachers Union and their national organization as well. How would you answer critics' claims that if elected mayor, you would in some way be in the sway of a very powerful union that has been very aggressive in terms of getting its needs? And tell me where and how the union has made a decision that you disagree with and you were willing to tell them that they were wrong. So let me be clear that I'm running for mayor to finish a job I started more than 30 years ago when I was a teacher in our public school classrooms, and I knew that our kids deserve so much better. Every mayor before me um, has failed our public schools or has turned his back on them. And I'm going to be the first mayor to actually deliver on a mission for our schools that restores teaching back to its proper uh, responsibility as a valued profession that brings our young people life and vitality and keeps our city safe. I'm very clear that our education crisis is directly related to the violence that is happening um, here in the city of Philadelphia. And last week I unveiled a $10 billion plan to actually modernize schools. Obviously one of the candidates has no clue about how to fund them. Um, And sure, after school and summer camps and programs, uh, year-round schooling, I'll prioritize safe passages to and from schools. And I do believe that labor has a role to play. They are our teachers and our classrooms. Where has the union been wrong and you've been willing to criticize them, man. We've been partners on developing a safe, quality public school system for everybody. And that has been one of the most important things that we've been trying to do together. Asking me what the union Thank has you. done wrong. I, I thought I had 18 seconds. Go ahead. Okay. Finish. As- 
asking, uh, you know, making it clear that uh, right now when we've got a thousand vacancies in our schools right now for teaching, we need to be working in partnership with our educators um, to make sure that we restore teaching back. But I'm very clear that, you know, when Lower Marion is building $140 million for a public Thank middle you. school for kids, I'm not leaving our Thank kids you. behind. So I do want to point out, and I know like my friend Christine Flowers was on Twitter and, and involved in a debate. My husband was on there because uh, some have called Helen Gim a carpetbagger. I should have Christine on to talk about this. But, I, you know, to me, I know that she is originally from Seattle, Washington, but she did go to school here. So she can't. And by, and by the way, her parents were born in Korea, immigrated to the United States in the 60s. She was born here, but first generation she did graduate in 93. She's 55 years old, graduated from University of Pennsylvania and majored in history. When she left college, she went back home to her parents at the time, lived in Ohio. She worked actually for a news journal. She was a news reporter at first, but then she did work as a teacher for a few years, you know, starting in uh, 94, then came back to the University of Pennsylvania where she got her master's degree. I don't think... It, it doesn't strike me. How long was she a teacher? It doesn't seem she, like for that long. Yeah, because I, you know, I mean, I know she was involved with charter schools, which yes, is another because crew, of her own kids. Yeah, and then then of course, right, right now she doesn't love charter schools, so that's and another thing. How long thing. has she been at this? About thirty years. Yeah, and still yes. can't get it right. So yeah, so she was elected. So she's to part be- of the antiquated politics. She claims to hate. Yeah. Well, that's just it. I mean, she's been in since twenty fifteen. She, you know, she's been involved in, in it. She's been, she was elected in city council at that point. So she's been in there quite some time, right? Yeah, exactly. But, um, uh, but yeah, she, she's, she's against the structure. She's against it, but she's, she, to your point, <laughs> she's been part of it. All right. I'm trying to. But she oh, wants her 18 seconds. Uh, <laughs> she needs her 18 seconds. Hey, you know what? I need 18 seconds so. to say. I, I need 18 seconds so. to, to say hi to my friend Kim, who's listening here. On <laughs> she's listening and loving every part of the Dawn Thank you, show. Kim, and thanks yeah. for Jimmy has a smile because you. Yeah. It's nice when you either tweet us or DM us or text yeah. us. She would. Uh, she would. You. She would be a great talk show host. But you just wonder. <laughs> does wonder if Christine Flowers has any vocal cords left right now. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure she was at the TV screaming at the top of her lungs because. If you ever As many dealt, were. <laughs> if you ever dealt with Christine Flowers, she, like, she's one of the nicest people in the world. But when she gets passionate about something, her <laughs> voice, love. her voice goes up a few <laughs> octaves. Like it'll go. I wanna tell you. <laughs> I used to edit her shows, and you would sit there with, with headphones. She'd start all calm, you know. I wanna tell you, but and then by the end, like you're deaf. But she, she's she she would be really good to get on. Yeah. Yes. So uh, we'll continue the conversation. Want to take your calls, 855-839-1210. Who do you like so far? And we'll play some more clips and obviously sprinkle in, you know, the other news of the day because there's tragic news, some serious news, and economic and consumer-related news as well. So we'll talk about all of it. But I have to thank my friends from Piazza because, you know, they're family, family-run, you know, from what, 60 years ago, the Piazza family started their first dealership um, right in our area, Montgomery County, and certainly they've grown, and I always appreciate the Piazza family's belief in me and us. So spring, it's here, no better time to find that newer certified luxury vehicle. If that's your thing, if that's what you've been wanting and you know you've been wanting it, my friends from Piazza Premium Automobiles, they're here to assist you in your unique vehicle search 
across the region. Yeah, across the tri-state area. So the Piazza Premium family, they're featuring dealerships, Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.